five, four, three, two. This is the Come On Network podcast. Come On Network, it's on the come up for sure. The best Pittsburgh-based podcast available. Is that so? If you're committed enough, you can make any story work. I, I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner, and it worked because I believed it. Bringing you the latest in Pittsburgh and national sports and entertainment with guests and a plethora of co-hosts. Can we get a come on? Come on. 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 This is where the fun begins. FNA Cotton FNA. The fullback in there seals the hole. It's Najee Harris. Touchdown, Steelers. Making it look easy. Bears rushing for Roethlisberger throws with a back shoulder, and it is caught. Flags come in. It's Friermuth working on Bildor. From 40. To put the Steelers back on top. And he does. And that's just the nature of this thing. It's the National Football League. Uh, you're going to be in battles, man. The, more, the most important thing is that you smile in the face of adversity and deliver the necessary plays. And, you know, that's the silver lining in tonight's performance, man. We're up against it. A lot of it due to our own doing, but you got to also tip your cap to the Bears, man. Um, they competed, and they competed for 60 minutes. Following a 29-27 win over the Chicago Bears on, on Monday night, we will break down the game, uh, give out our game ball. We'll talk about if this Steelers team is for real or if they're just pretenders as we hit about the midway point of this 2021-2022 season. It is episode 88 of the Come On Network podcast. It is the Steelers and Bears recap, again, following that 29-27 win over Chicago on Monday at Heinz Field. A reminder to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. Check out our website at comeon.network for blogs, hot takes, merch, and more. Find episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and always remember to hit that subscribe button. Donnie Chedrick, Jack Hillgrove, Joe Smelter along for the ride with this one. The Steelers a little too close for comfort on Monday night. Just a two-point victory and needed Chris Boswell to pull out some heroics at Heinz Field. Joe, we'll start with you. Just some general thoughts and takeaways from the win against Chicago. Yeah, uh, a win is a win, but, man, games against bad teams at Heinz Field coming down to the wire is getting a little tiresome. The Geno Smith-led Seahawks took the Steelers to overtime. The 3-5, and five, now 3-6 and six Bears were Chris Boswell miss away from being the first team to win in Pittsburgh on a Monday night in 30 years. Maybe the Broncos are better than we thought they were. It certainly looked that way Sunday when they were pounding Dallas in Dallas. But nonetheless, as great as it is that 
the Steelers, who we all thought were doomed a month ago, have now won four straight. I still think it's fair to say that only one of those four wins have been overly impressive, that being last week's game in Cleveland. So while the Steelers playing and winning close games makes for more exciting football and gives us a lot more to talk about on these reaction shows, it would be nice to see a blowout at least once. And when I say a blowout, I'm not talking about a 30 30 or 40 point game that we don't see often in the NFL, but maybe a two to three touchdown win that is fairly low stress. If the Steelers can't have that type of game next week against Detroit at Heinz Field, I don't know if they'll have one in 2021, and who knows when they'd have one beyond that. It's almost kind of backwards from what uh, we're used to when the Steelers play close games, especially last year. Um, And and the abysmal stretch down the regular season comes to mind uh, when the one regular season win that they had down that stretch before they lost to the Browns in the playoffs was against the Colts, and they started very, very slow offensively and had to play from behind. Now it happened against Seattle and it's happened uh, on Monday night against the bears where they come out guns a blazing. Uh, they move the ball down the field. Terrifically. I thought against the bears when, when Najee Harris capped off the touchdown run, and then they were able to go up two scores. So the Steelers are jumping out on bad teams and jumping out on teams in general, but they're, it, it's, it's reverse that they're allowing these teams to come from behind in the second half. And they're giving these teams more room for opportunity. And that partially becomes from just the stale offensive play in the second half. Um, You know, you look at this one and and you look at the stat line. I thought Ben played all right. Um, There were some plays that, you know, were a little bit of head scratchers. And, you know, the one play that he had, I believe it was Chase Claypool or no Deontay Johnson. I'm sorry, down the sideline and it just completely missed him. Uh, But then there's some other plays as well the touchdown pass to Pat Fryermuth. And while Fryermuth made a terrific play, that ball was right there in a, in a very good play by Roethlisberger. So, and then the ball to Chase Claypool that he dropped in the end zone, which should have been caught, but obviously it wasn't. Um, 21 for 30, 205, two touchdowns. Yeah, he didn't throw an interception again, but you know they're not, there is no ability, I think, to be able to stretch the middle of the field and get some chunk pass plays. Um, like we've seen Ben Roethlisberger able to do before. That might have to do with age, but um, I don't think it has anything to do with these receivers, especially you know with the emergence of Fryermuth the last couple of weeks. Um, and then the running game, I, I think, and I said this um, to you guys when we were watching the game on Monday night in uh, in the nosebleeds. You know, I think Matt Canada has done a good enough job in finding loopholes in ways uh, to to move the football. Um, rushing wise, or just kind of move it up the field and control the clock with a bad offensive line. And when I say a bad offensive line, the first name that comes out is Dan Moore. Um, I was high on him in the beginning of the season, not high on him per se, but I thought that he would be a relatively decent option at left tackle. And he has just been, you know, what a fourth round tackle is, you know, typically those guys that start as rookies on the offensive line are first and second round picks. Um, you know, a lot of the concern about Dan Moore coming out of Texas A&M that he was raw and had a lot to learn. And it certainly looks that way. He just got absolutely cooked on several occasions Monday night. But um, like I said, to the run game, 32 carries, 105 yards, which is okay, almost for a clip, but they're doing it in ways and moving it east and west and 
um, you know, utilizing Najee Harris in different ways to where it's not that um, typical of a running offense. And I would like to be able to see them pounded up the middle a little bit more, but that's just not, not happening. Uh, and, you know, when you look over on the defensive side of the ball, TJ Watt is just an absolute freak of nature and deserves probably double of what they paid for. Um, and the fact that it kind of took them that long to pay the man was silly. Now looking at it, but three tackles for loss, three sacks. Um, we're going to get to our player of the game, I'm sure, later, but he's definitely mine and, and definitely was one of the reasons why the Steelers were able to put themselves in a position to come from behind when they shouldn't have had to come from behind in this one. Yeah, I know you guys have said it already, but this felt too much like Seattle. Uh, Justin Fields is better than Geno Smith, and he will be better than Geno Smith in the future. But the Steelers held a two-score lead for most of this game, including the fourth quarter, and we saw that vanish before our, our eyes. And non-Steeler fans would argue that without a Cassius Marsh taunting penalty, maybe the Steelers don't even win the game. The Bears scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. This elite defense has shown what it's made of in games like Buffalo and Cleveland, but in games like Seattle and Monday night against Chicago, they offer a lot to be desired. Besides T.J. Watt, nobody got home on Justin Fields. He was sacked three times in the game, and all three of them belonged to T.J. Watt. Cam Hayward uh, had the very impressive interception on a ball he tried to bat down. That's another guy that the Steelers paid a few years ago, but he seems to be aging in the National Football League like a fine wine. But without those guys, I'm not sure what type of defense we would be looking at because even though Hayward and Watt have both played like they want to win the Defensive Player of the Year award, some other exciting guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, who's starting to come around, and Devin Bush, who, you know, depending on the game, continues to struggle. Uh, those are two former first-round defensive talents that haven't been the same guys that we're used to seeing. Uh, to the offensive side, uh, like you said, Jack, uh, the offensive line definitely took a step back, and Dan Moore's the guy I want to highlight. I don't want to jump all over the guy, but, again, he's a fourth-round pick. He's a rookie. He really shouldn't be thrown into that spot. It's really not even fair that he gets thrown into that spot as quickly as he did. He needs a little bit more seasoning before he's ready to be a blindside tackle in the National Football League. Maybe we finally see Zach Banner padded up on game day. Maybe we see some shifting on that offensive line. Maybe Okorafor goes over to left tackle. Banner goes to right. I'm not sure what their plan is there. Uh, the first two draft picks, however, seem again to look like studs on Monday. Najee with another very solid night and a touchdown. Fryermuth did it again. He did it twice. Uh, two great touchdowns for him, especially that, that second one where he was interfered with in the end zone. Ben had a decent game. I wouldn't say great, but definitely not bad. He still did not uh, throw an interception, so he keeps that streak alive. And I, I know we'll get to this point in a minute, but games like Monday night don't give me the viewpoint that Pittsburgh is ready to lift another Lombardi. With that being said, Joe, we'll jump it to you. Uh, we know there's some fanboys out there that think this Steelers squad can get to a Super Bowl, can win a Super Bowl, uh, can make a deep playoff run. I feel like I know where we're all going to go with this. Uh, but, Joe, again, we'll start with you here. Uh, 
contender or pretender, where do you put the Steelers around the halfway point sitting at five and three? I don't know what they're ever won, um, to tell you the truth. Uh, going back before the season, I had this team going nine and eight. I think all of us had them going between eight and nine and ten and seven. Maybe my numbers are a little off. But in any case, we saw this team as good at best, definitely not elite, and possibly mediocre or worse. So looking at the arc of this season, Great win in Buffalo week one, then three straight losses. And in my mind, they're now worse than mediocre. They're a bad football team. And now they've won four straight, and people are starting to believe again, which I predicted would happen uh, in the lead-up to the Denver game when they were still one and three. But my mind, my viewpoint of the Steelers isn't much different from it was at the beginning of the season in that this is, I don't know if they'll finish exactly nine and eight, but this has an eight to between eight and ten wins, that feel a team that's just okay. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. It's nothing special. Um, I think they're a contender in the sense that they can absolutely make it to the playoffs. And uh, where it gets interesting is that while on paper I don't think this team is very good, and I don't think I certainly don't see them hoisting a Lombardi Trophy, but you look at uh, the two best teams in the AFC that they've played so far this year, at least from a talent standpoint, were at Buffalo and at Cleveland. They won both of those games, and the defense was elite in both of those games. With an elite defense, as we all know, a lot of things are possible. So if the Steelers get, get to the playoffs and probably have to play on the road and the defense looks just as good as it did in Buffalo or in Cleveland, then – Maybe they could pull an upset in January. Who knows? Uh, but my overall stance is that the Steelers are okay at best. I don't think they're anything special. I don't think they're bad. I think they are lukewarm is a good way to uh, a good way to put it. And that might be hard to hear about a team that's won four in a row. Um, but that's how I feel, and how I feel isn't much different than how I felt in August. Yeah, when you put. To get like when you put the thought of them hoisting a Lombardi trophy, um, they have to beat an NFC opponent to do so, obviously, if they even got to that point. And as I look at it right now, there's about a four, maybe five teams in the NFC that would, I think, beat the Steelers by two plus touchdowns. That's Green Bay, Tampa, Arizona, LA, and maybe. Maybe Dallas in a in a matchup like that. I I don't know, but I think four definitely in Tampa, Arizona, L.A., and Green Bay. Um, they're just the NFC's loaded this year. Last year it looked like the AFC with Kansas City and Buffalo at the top were just you know destined for greatness as far as that was concerned. And this year it's the NFC uh, with Buffalo who laid a complete egg against the Jaguars and Kansas City, who's just been one of the biggest disappointments of the year. So when you look at the teams that they have to go through, I think the Steelers in, you know, in years as fans as we expect them to be Super Bowl contenders, you obviously have to first look at the Steelers personnel. Do I think it's good enough? Probably not. Defensively, yes, but on offense, you know, losing Juju, I think hurts. And while Najee and Fryermuth have been very, very solid, if not two of the best rookies in football, um, th that, that's been a plus. But again, the receiving core has a lot left to be desired, I think. And the quarterback position as well. I just, Ben is just not the player he once was. And I'm not even sure he makes it through an entire regular season 
Um, it, not that I'm saying that he's going to get benched or anything, but just the fact that he's 39 years old and there's an extra game in the regular season, I don't even know if he makes it that far. But you look at that and you also look at you know the path to the Super Bowl. And in a year where you would expect the Steelers to contend, it's perfect, right? Because Kansas City's down. They beat Buffalo already, and Buffalo lost to arguably the worst team in the league on Sunday. And the other teams around the league, too. Tennessee, who's, I think, at the top of the AFC right now, if the playoffs started this week, lost the best running back in football and might not play in the playoffs and probably won't play by the time the Steelers play the Titans in the regular season. Los Angeles and Vegas look very beatable. And then you go to the NFC East, and as I mentioned, or the, uh, the, the NFC North, AFC North, I apologize, and some other teams around the division, they haven't seen Baltimore yet. I think Baltimore's probably the best team in the AFC right now, but they beat Cleveland, and I think Cincinnati is definitely beatable the second time around too. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, you know, the landscape of the AFC and the path to the Super Bowl should be a year where the Steelers fans should be excited about it, but you just kind of have to look at this with a, a clear lens and say that the quarterback's too old, the receiving core and the offense is just at a at a crossroads and the offensive line stinks and the defense can't do it every week. And you saw the defense, you know, kind of give the game away a little bit on Monday night against the Bears. So um, Joe, I'm gonna agree with you. I I, I but I think I'm gonna trend more towards pretender. Yeah, the Steelers are five and three, and they'll probably and they should be six and three after Sunday's game against the Lions, who are really, really bad. But um, hey, I don't, you know, that 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 we thought I thought the Bears were going to get blown out by the Steelers and they didn't, you know, and I think the Lions could get blown out and they might not. I think that line opened up at nine. So anyway, I just I'm going to go and lean more towards pretender because, you know, the, the 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 path to the playoffs gets a little tougher down the stretch. And we've talked about that schedule, too, but. Regardless, even if they were able to find their way into a Super Bowl, there's a bunch of teams in the, in the NFC that are just way more fast, talented, and you know better suited for a championship right now than the Steelers. Yeah, I'm right in the middle uh, because this this team certainly is not Super Bowl bound unless something crazy happens. Uh, it might be a playoff team. It might be able to win one game in those playoffs. It might not even make the playoffs. It's so hard to say because we've seen so many different shades of these guys through the first eight or nine weeks. They sit at five and three. They're pretty destined to be six and three. And sure, maybe that last portion of the season that we thought was so scary uh, going in isn't quite as bad. Uh, highlighting there that Chiefs game that they play right after Christmas in Kansas City, because right now the Chiefs look incredibly beatable. Uh, out of any of those teams that you look at in that final two-month stretch. That actually looks like the most winnable game to me uh, when you break down Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens again. I think the best shot there uh, is winning against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, digressing from that, Getting through the playoffs for this team would require a never-ending defensive effort uh, to make some sort of run. They have to play a game like they did in Buffalo or Cleveland. That could win them a playoff game. It could be an ugly playoff game, a defensive battle, and the Steelers could just happen to score more points than whoever they're up against. But they would need that 
for an entire month stretch of the playoffs against some very elite talent around the National Football League because the offense would struggle to keep up with the good teams in the AFC uh, you know, on their best day if they catch Josh Allen uh, or Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Uh, even the Raiders, again, with Derek Carr, uh, the offense would struggle to keep up uh, with what those other teams could possibly put on the scoreboard. But the defense, if it plays lights out uh, on a game-to-game basis, it could certainly make it possible. Uh, shifting gears, we'll go to player of the game. Joe, we'll start with you. Player of the game in the 29-27 win over the Bears on Monday. There's a few ways we could go here. Um, while there were definitely some issues with the Steelers collectively Monday night, there were also some fantastic individual performances. P.J. Watt with three sacks speaks for itself. Pat Fryermuth was a beast. Uh, ben led the way on what may have been his last successful two-minute drill in the fourth quarter in the NFL, and he also didn't throw any interceptions, which I think is probably the best you could hope for right now is for him to not turn the ball over, not make any big mistakes um, at his age and with uh, his uh, ability, obviously, eroded from years past. But I'm going to go with Chris Boswell. Uh, it's funny to think about last week, uh, leading up to the Bears game, when we talked about Boswell's status and thought, well, if he's still healing, then this is a good time for it because they could take the Bears and the Lions without him. Well, they definitely won the take in the Bears without him. A 54-yard field goal, a 52-yard field goal, then the game winner from 40. Josh Lambeau ain't doing all of that. So I gave my little ode to Boswell after the Seahawks win. I think he's the second-best kicker in the NFL and also, sadly, just the second-best kicker in the AFC North because nobody touches Justin Tucker. But without Boswell, the Steelers are 3-5 and five and not 5-3, and three, and this season is looking very different right now. Yeah, you put that in a good perspective. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. If you pick an offensive player of the game, it's Pat Fryermuth. If you pick a defensive player of the game, it's TJ Watt. And yeah, TJ Watt had three sacks. And yes, Pat Fryermuth had two touchdown receptions and one really good one where he got absolutely interfered with and still caught the ball. But they they don't win the game without Chris Boswell. And to be able to kick that game winner into the open end in the fourth quarter and bang three field goals home, and also, too, even though he missed an extra point, he still made two of them. And if he missed both of those, you know, you're looking at a tie game and going to overtime or they still might lose. So, and yeah, I agree. I don't think with Josh Lambeau, you get that. And for Boswell to be able to come back this week after going into the concussion protocol and getting lit up like he did on just one of the most preposterous fake field goal play decisions ever be able to come back this week and do it on a big stage and kick it into the dreaded open end at Heinz field to win it. Yeah. He's absolutely the player of the game and they don't win the game without him. And I think, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I think there are a couple of other kickers that might be able to give Boswell a run for his money for number two, but he's certainly in that conversation and it just stinks that Justin Tucker is in the AFC North as well. Cause he's not the best kicker in the division. And, and Justin Tucker is just, it might be one of the best kickers, if not the best kicker of all time when it's all said and done. But with that being said, they don't win it without the Wizard of Boz, and he's the player of the game in my eyes, without a doubt. I'm also going to go with Chris Boswell. Uh, you guys gave the numbers, the, the, the three for three on the field goals, the game winner from 40, two for two from 50-plus, and that's all going to the open end of Heinz Field, which we've heard the horror stories about uh, through the stadium's history in regards to making field goals uh, from far out. 
He also had a fumble recovery in the game uh, on one of the kickoffs uh, early in the fourth quarter. Missed that extra point, like you said, uh, but without Boswell, they simply do not win this game. Uh, coming off an injury, it could have been a game in which we saw Boswell struggle, uh, but he was on the money yet again when it mattered. He's been a top five stealer through the first half of the season, uh, without a doubt. That'll do it for episode 88 of the Come On Network podcast. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. Check out our website at comeon.network for blogs, hot takes, merch, and more. And find episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember to hit that subscribe button. The Steelers beat the Bears 29-27 on Monday Night Football. They have the Lions at Heinz Field on Sunday afternoon. We'll have a preview episode coming out later this week. But until then, stay safe. Here we go, Steelers, and come on. here if you want to know all about sports just stay right where you are the come on network you're still here it's over go home go